This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Minutia Man is up next, but first listen to this other fine OPI show. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we talk about how stone martin weasels are wreaking havoc on cars in Germany, plus some five-cylinder cars you may have forgotten about. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Oh, are you? Right. Wow, you're very relaxed. Uh, well, you look great, Rick. Well, thank you so hey, much. And I, I very much appreciate you cleaning the house every time because I can, I can smell the disinfectant. Well, and what do you have there right in we front of you? We got the Clorox 99.9% uh, bacteria, kill, uh, bacteria killing disinfecting wipes. Be thank good, you. Be, be judicious with those because right, uh, if I want to go replace them, I can't find them in the store anywhere. Right, and you probably don't want to leave the house with current conditions of yeah you know actually i left the house yesterday i got a funny story about this mm-hmm. sean my youngest son was one day away from going to get his driver's license when the state was shut down yeah right? lila lila was real close to yeah. <laughs> the 12th of march was johnny's birthday and we told him he couldn't go on that day because you know wanted to the big celebration right right yeah. make it about johnny yeah so we said, we'll go on the 13th. On the 13th, they shut down the state. Sure. The DMV is closed. Yeah. All right. So it opened again this week, right? And Sean says to me, all right, it's time to go in. Let's get the license. Yeah. And I finally, yesterday, I took the day off. I said, all right, tomorrow, we're going to, sp- I know it's going to be a, like a, a six cluster, hour right, thing. It's a cluster, right. But we have to go to the bank and we got to get your social security card and we got to get your birth certificate and all this stuff because you need, just a ridiculous a number of IDs yeah, now to get right, your license. Right. Um, we get to the bank, and the bank is closed and says you have to make appointments to get to your safety deposit box. Okay. Call the, the number that's listed on there. They're not open for another two weeks. Okay. So they're, they're booked solid for the next two weeks. They only do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and poor Sean now still cannot go get his license. I... You know, I've said before that this pandemic, 99, just like your bacteria wipes, 99.9% of it is cra- is horrible. Yes. But keeping my daughter from getting a driver's license, <laughs> that is the 0.1% that is awesome right now. Yeah, right. we should say our kids are exactly the same age. In fact, they are seven days apart, right? Yeah, or something six, like six that. Six days right. apart. And Lila constantly. And Lila does not really understand the insurance part yeah, of this whole Yeah, neither does, deal. Sean. Uh, we quoted, it's like... 1100 bucks a year it's insane right and like you know we're not we may not even let her be on our insurance i mean she's gonna go to college next year yeah, you got to uh, you can't what look at what it costs for her to do it on her own no she just wouldn't you know she lives in the city you, you got public transportation well then don't what, get then don't get your license right and yeah. that's what yeah that is what i'm that's why I'm. That's what you're pushing for. <laughs> that's why I'm banking on the <laughs> pandemic. So I have actually a dr- somewhat of a driving story as well. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So we needed new tires on the minivan. Yeah. Okay. It's 
you know, big deal. That's right. not newsworthy, sure. right? So I, um, but everything is harder now to do anything. You have to right. make an appointment yep. and whatever. Yep. Yep. So I make an appointment with Central Tire. Great people in the Chicagoland area. If you're in the Chicagoland area, Central ding, Tire, ding, ding, ding. right on Grand Avenue. So I call in. I order the tires, some Uniroyals. <laughs> okay, and I, I can't believe you're going with the Uniroyals. Royals. <laughs> so I get up in the morning. He says, you know, I can't make an appointment, but if you get here at eight o'clock, you're good. You know, okay. so so I get up at like seven fifteen in the morning. I do my workout, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and I start driving to Central Tire. I get and it's in Elmore Park, so I get to about Harlem and Addison and realize I'm driving the wrong car. Oh my god! <laughs> so I had to circle back. It cost me an hour, and when I got there, it was like a four and a half hour wait. Do you know what a miracle it is that you and I have managed to become <laughs> semi-functional members of society? Yeah, the. Uh, I mean, we. It, there's. It, it, if we grew up two hundred years ago, oh, we'd be. They would have just tossed us on the side of the road. We would have been shot by some smart ass. We would have been doing the Minutia Men podcast. <laughs> In 1814, and uh, what happened to Rick and Dale? He got shot by by by. He was cr- just getting in the way. <laughs> Cross-eyed Bart, <laughs> right? Rick played the wrong jingle. Dave shot Rick. The toady shot Dave. It was just awful. Yeah. Uh, so we got a huge guest coming up today. Yes, we have a. A New York Times best-selling mm-hmm. author, uh, Neil Steinberg. He's yeah. a Chicago Sun Times columnist, and we should warn you. A little smarter than a Rick and a Dave. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Get your thesauruses out. <laughs> Get your... Now, he's... Uh, we're really looking forward. He's a... Like Rick said, a Sun-Times columnist. He, he's a great writer. A great writer. 10 books, 12 books or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and he's... Um, He's great. Really, really looking forward to yes. Steinberg. So we better get hit it, right? Okay. Uh, and this week I have a jingle okay. for you. You're listening to Minutia Men, featuring the wacky exploits of your good pals Rick and Dave. Give them 22 minutes and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. Right. So look at this picture. What do you see? I see a man uh, on an elliptical. Yeah, right? Yeah. Look, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Look at it a little closer. What do you see on the bottom of that picture by any chance? Oh, boy. Uh, my glasses. Well, yeah. just um, there's some broken glass. Oh, yeah. Right? And if you look in the corner there, you see a reflection of somebody. Oh, my God. Yeah. Th- this is this is from Minneapolis during yeah. the riots, right? Minneapolis dude missed the gym so much that he hopped on a Planet Fitness elliptical while looting. Wow. <laughs> and an unidentified man was seen working out for 25 minutes <laughs> oh my God. on an elliptical machine during the recent looting in downtown Minneapolis. And when you look at the picture, you can, you can see that the guy... He's a little doughy, <laughs> yes. right? I think he's, yes. he's got he, some Rick and Dave in him. He uh, needs that. He needs right. that workout. And I think we should be supportive of puffy elliptical looter dude because he's wow. trying to, you know, he's just trying to 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 to, to take off the COVID nineteen. Right? That that is amazing. Imagine breaking in to a place like that and again realizing. What are you going to loot at a right, gym? Exactly. Right. You're going to carry out the weights? Yeah. Not, not not after not working out for the last two months. <laughs> yeah, so you get something. You know, I was surprised that in 2005 when the White Sox won the World Series, yeah. that White Sox fans didn't, like, l- break into bowling alleys 
and play like a couple of frames, right? You are being racist about White Sox fans somehow so, <laughs> with that comment. So this is definitely a lemon to lemonade story, looting okay. and getting healthy at the same time. All right. Well, uh, God bless them. Uh, I have a uh, story that is kind of COVID related. Um, and this is uh, a, a, let's say uh, a man who is looking on the bright side. Okay. Right, a Romanian shoemaker is helping. <laughs> That's just funny, right there. Just stop, <laughs> stop right there. Romanian shoemaker, go ahead. He's promoting social distancing with his latest in, in, innovation. Okay. It's a pair of size seventy-five <laughs> shoes that are each. This is not a joke. This is for real. That are the, each shoe is two and a half feet long. So the the thinking is when he's walking around, no one can get closer than two and a half feet because right. he's got a size seventy five shoe. And if they're wearing two and a half foot shoes, it's five feet. Exactly. Right? So exactly, they're only one hundred and fifteen dollars. <laughs> um, they're available online if you want to find them. They're listed as a European size seventy five. The shoemaker said the shoes are designed so two people facing each other uh, would be able to keep a distance five of five feet. Five feet. And you have the extra bonus of the ladies looking, yeah, right. looking at the shoes and going, yeah. you know what they say about Romanian shoe size. If you know what I mean. Um, you know, we'll have to, I'll have to do some research how Romanians stock up in that department. Well, you know, uh, my father was Romanian. I mean, uh, he came from Romania. He okay. was born in Romania, and, and it if, was a German-speaking part of Romania. And in fact, in those days, most of the continent was German-speaking. <laughs> right. I don't know if you've read about right, that. Right, right. <laughs> Around the forties, they did made a conscious effort to shift. Yeah, um, they just liked the language. It was. It's just. It's a. a it's a beautiful it language. Dude. <laughs> it really is a beautiful language. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of beautiful languages, yes, this, this what is the a worst transition. This is the worst segue ever. Yeah. Uh, We've got great shows on our network. Yeah, right? yeah, we do. Yeah, um, I one of mine that I really love is Back to You, and it's when legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury, yeah, and Steve Baskerville talk about life, you travel. Know, I listened to that one too, and you know what I like about that show is, uh, you know, having watched those guys yeah. for years, they were TV personalities in Chicago and Channel Two. Um, just the way they, you know. The kibitz behind no, the scenes. Right. They're basically like us. Yeah. Uh, they're just like us. And what I really like about them is, you know, they're of a certain age. Yeah. They're a few years older than us. A few years older. They're a little grumpy sometimes. They are. And and I love the, but it's, you know, they kind of, like you say, they kibitz and they kind of, they're like, yeah, I didn't really like that happening and that happening. <laughs> right. right? They complain. Uh, yeah, they complain. They like the word complain. Yeah. Uh, and they've got lots of famous pals. Like they Ditko, do. Ditko came by at one point, I think. Coach. Uh, Coach was there before he lost his restaurant. Um, But definitely, back to you. Yeah, that's a good one. With with Howard and Steve, we urge you very much to listen to that podcast. Yeah, you you can tell a friend to listen to to it on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com or wherever you find a podcast. Search for Radio Misfits and you can find it back to you. You can also find Minutia Men. Yeah. And the Celebrity Minutia Man interview. Right. And Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. They're all out there. You're about due for another podcast. No, you know I, cannot, I, mean? I cannot do another one. No, you know what I think you should do? You should do yeah. a political podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> Don't yes. you think? Yes. You, you should interview people with different points of view. You know what I like? I like the feedback from the people. <laughs> 
I like to hear what you think. Right. You know, I've got a political opinion, but I want to know what your political opinion is. Right. Let's discourse. <laughs> uh, hey, I got another story. Do we have time for another one? Uh, yeah, again, we got Neil Steinberg right, coming. Okay, it better whatever. be a good one. All right. Yeah. All right. So I have a follow up to the Harry Ascrack story that we did last week. Okay. All right. Uh, and, for, <laughs> and for those of our listeners who haven't heard our critically acclaimed episode, Childish, <laughs> Childish Pranks and Teacher Thanks, nominated for six Peabody Awards, we talked about how Mississippi's governor, Tate Reeves, was tricked into saying Harry Ascrack as a, as, a, as a graduate during yes. the virtual graduation. So this story comes out of Joplin, Missouri. At around 11.30 p.m., Joplin police stopped a vehicle that was driving with no headlights. Okay. Okay. All right. Sure. Whatever. Not really newsworthy. But during the stop, the cops smelled some weed. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's legal in Missouri. Well, I guess it's never legal when you're driving in your car. Um, they searched the vehicle. They found, like, a stolen handgun, you know, the 900 grams of pot, a little meth, uh, counterfeit U.S. currency, uh-huh. a copy of Fathers Know Nothing. Oh, no, really? Which was weird. Yeah. Uh, but I want you to see the picture of this dude here. Okay. Can you see Ooh, that? Looks like a nice gentleman. Yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. Right. Um, do you want to know what this dude's name is? Is it Harry S. Craig? <laughs> Close. It's Benjamin Dover. His friends call him Ben. <laughs> ben Dover. <laughs> ben Dover. Okay. Now, so 37 years ago, his wacky parents thought, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we named our little bundle guess- of joy... That guy's only 37. Yeah, I know. Those are, that's a hard 37. Ooh, boy. I boy. Right. I'm only picking stories for people that look far worse than I do from Ooh. now on. Uh, so they decided, you know, let's name our kid Bend Over, right? Yeah. They, they had to have known what was going on. You would think. Right. Uh, so basically, his die was cast when with the minute that he had his name, right? Sure. So, you know, if you name your kid Jeeves, he becomes a butler. Right? Yeah. Hazel, a domestic service. Sure. Right? Uh-huh. Uh, a servant. Adolf, you become an advisor to the president. Okay. Let's <laughs> see. Ooh, Let's see what, see what you there. did there. Yeah. Right, but whatever. So yeah. there you go. Again, and, we'd love to hear your political opinions. <laughs> yeah, right. Please, t- please let us know what you think right. about Dave's Adolf joke. Right. And email Steve and Howard <laughs> at back to you. <laughs> uh, we'll get time for one more uh, feature here before we bring in Neil Steinberg. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity, and I have to uh, tell the story Mm -hmm. of having met that celebrity or having run across them in some way or, or, yeah, go ahead. Casey Kasem. Do you know who that is? Yeah. The, you remember the Casey? DJ. The Casey's Hot 100 coast or whatever. to coast. Yeah, yeah. No, American Top 40. Okay, well, whatever. So I met Casey, I want to say, in the uh, late 80s. I was working at the uh, Loop radio station, mm-hmm. and, and his wife, Jean, I think her name was, Jean Kasem, mm-hmm. she was a uh, an actress, and she was on... Some sitcom. I don't remember which, like NBC sitcom. Hazel. <laughs> yeah. She played Hazel in Hazel. Yeah, I think it was like Wings or something right. like that. It was one of those kind of shows, right? right? right. And uh, so she was younger, I would imagine, right? Oh, yeah, like 30 years <laughs> yeah. younger. 
She was uh, the one that was a guest on one of the shows at The Loop. We had so many shows in those yeah. days. Every show had celebrities, and you'd run into these celebrities in the hallway. Just like Radio Now, <laughs> right? The vibrancy of the, the medium. <laughs> but Casey was sitting in the jock lounge by himself because he was just there with his wife. Yeah, he wasn't the one that was going on. And he wouldn't go on because we at that station played a clip of Casey all the time doing something very badly. Okay. And, and that is Casey once was caught on tape using some profanity. <laughs> let's say let's say that. Sure. And it was such a famous tape on our radio station. All the shows played it. We played it all the time that Casey knew about this and would not come on the air. But it's okay for his wife to come on the air. But his wife was on the air. She was promoting something, and he was there. And He's a radio dude and, you know, whatever. So um, as a gift to you, Dave, uh, I am going to look up this audio clip because I know I've got it here in my archives. Well, this is live behind the scenes here. Uh, Casey with a C. Uh, All right, here it is. Casey Kasem loses it in the studio. We're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again from coming out of the record play the record okay please see when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers man it's impossible to make those transitions and then you got to go into somebody dying you know they do this to me all the time i don't know what the hell they do it for but goddamn it if we can't come out of a slow record i don't understand it is don on the phone Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. <laughs> that that became famous for any listener of our radio station. Uh, that's great. Uh, of course, we had bleeped it because, you know, we're not allowed to play Not on podcasts. So you can say whatever yeah. we want. I have always kept the clean version of that. And I'm sure it's out there on YouTube or mm-hmm. wherever now if you want to go find it. Um, but that, you know, in those days... That was gold. Wasn't there something with Casey Kasem's body, like some sort of? Oh cry- yeah. Uh, the- when he died, there was a fight over his uh, remains. His right? remains, yeah. And I think his kids uh, were not allowed to see his remains or something. There was like some weird hinky stuff with his wife, and he ended up in like Norway or something. And they were trying to keep him, his kids, away uh-huh. from seeing the. Woof! It was it was ugly. It was, but, yeah. uh, but he was buried with Snuggles. <laughs> that was very nice. <laughs> Snuggles is so perfect too. <laughs> Snuggles. <sighs> All right, we better uh, get a little palate cleanser here, right? Because right. we're <laughs> going to talk to a smart guy in a few minutes. Yes, uh, we're looking forward to it. Sometimes columnist and uh, best-selling author Neil Steinberg is up next. We'll be right back. On the next Back to You podcast with me, Howard Sudbury, and my longtime friend and co-host, Steve Baskerville, you will hear Steve's personal and emotional stories about growing up as a black man in America. His message is powerful and hopeful. 
there will never be a more important episode of Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an Opie show, only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. This week on Anne Friends, not only does the news get naked, but we get naked. That's right, too. Tommy and I and Kimmy are sitting buck naked in seats that you've never seen before, sweating our asses off, talking about funny stuff. People have asked me to put my clothes back on, and I have refused. All that and more on this titillating episode of Anne Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay, we're honored to have one of uh, Chicago's great writers on the show today, Dave. Uh, he's written lots of books. He writes several columns a week for the Sun-Times. He's written for just about every major journalistic publication you can name. And he even writes daily, a daily blog called Every Goddamn Day. That's uh, a writer's writer. There's a good story behind the every goddamn day. You know, oh. it's I, my, my column used to run four days a week in the Sun Times and a day in the New York Daily News, and so that's five columns a week. And I passed my boss in the hall. I said, you know, if I added two more, I, it wouldn't be that much more more difficult. And the, here's the the tagline: Neil Steinberg colon every goddamn day, only in the Sun Times. And uh, he, I was telling this story to uh, Tom Serafin, the, the PR guy, and his eyes kind of lit up. He said, have you bought that domain name? And I said, no, but I bet you I'll beat you to it. And like, I ran from lunch and went to GoDaddy <laughs> and bought the name everygoddamnday.com. And it sat there for a couple of years, and then uh, my boss suspended me for something I, I wrote. And uh, rather than quit the way certain people do, I just fired up this blog, and I started the blog every day. He came in, and he was upset about that. And I'm like, Jimmy, you don't want me to write for the paper. You don't want me to write for anyone else. What do you want? And it kind of helped get me back at the paper. But once I started it, I didn't want it to stop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I sell some advertising. It, 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 it's nice because it's sort of it's a discipline. And it forces you, although I, I thought I would write the extra days. A lot of times, you know, I've, uh, I've been writing for the Sun-Times since 1984. And wow. So I have this enormous backlog of stuff that, if I may, I still enjoy reading it. <laughs> Every once in a while, I just put some old stuff up. If it's germane, you know, someone dies sure. or something, you know. Um, uh, like last, I took a week off. And so I, I started with an obit of a, of a judge I had mentioned, Abraham Lincoln Maravitz. And then I had his secretary. And then I had the guy who introduced us. And, you know, so I just kind of one thing led to another. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, every goddamn day. Right. And which every is, goddamn day. Uh, this is Neil Steinberg, by the way, in case we haven't said his name yet. Uh, and we're, we're thrilled to have him. And I, I just want to, uh, as a writer, uh, to another writer, I just want to say this to you. Um, a lot of writers who are as voluminous as you are, who write as many things as you do, as often as you do, kind of phone it in sometimes. And... Uh, uh, I don't think that you do that, and if you Never. do, you're really great at it. <laughs> right. Well, that's high praise. I worry about that. You know, I, I we, Magda Krantz and I once wrote a piece about Bob Green for Spy Magazine. If you're old enough to remember, oh my sure. god, yeah. And uh, it yeah. began with you know he writes so much, like, flopping his hands on the keyboard and just sort of. <laughs> so I try not to do that. I mean, yes, sometimes inspiration cries in my ear more than others, um, but I do, you know. I I have, to me, as a writer, it's important to step back and go, is this crap? 
is this right? <laughs> right. Is this bad? Yeah. Am I doing this wrong? Um, and then you fix it, you turn things around. I don't edit stuff as much like you, the, 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 the uh, daily column, I got to say, it usually comes out in a piece, but I still, my opening line in tomorrow's column is, I think it's the complaining I shall miss the most. <laughs> um, it's about, and, and I, I wondered, should it be shall? I think it's the complaining I will miss uh, the most. See what I'm saying? Sh- yeah. Right. Shall's a little arch. And I said to my wife this morning after she woke up, which do you like better? I believe it is the complaining I shall miss the most. Or I believe it's the whining I shall miss the most. And and, and I, I couldn't even wait. I said complaining is better than whining. And she's like, yeah, Trump doesn't really whine. I'm like, oh, contrary. You know, <laughs> you don't read Twitter like I do. So I, I do sweat this stuff. But the line I always say is if you don't care about your writing, nobody will yeah, care. That's great. And that, that great to me writing. is what you're, what you're saying. I'm not worried. I mean, everyone's all people will write it and they'll say, oh, you made a mistake or this and that. I said, you know, to write is to err. I assume I'm making mistakes. Obviously, I try to fix them. But to me, the, 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 the battle is that people don't care. Nobody gives a damn about what you have to say, what I have to say. It's, 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 and so hopefully you're taking something that they just don't care about. I mean, I did a book about the death of the men's hat industry. Yeah. That I was really proud of, Hatless Jack. It was, a, it was a, I thought I was going to be Malcolm Gladwell. Okay, I thought this was the book that reveals. There's going to be statues. They're going to make statues of me for this. 20th century reveal. I really did. I, I, I believe that this, the reason, because, you know, again, it was like a typical thing in my eye. I saw would see pictures of of men coming out of the subway in the 20s and they're all in those identical straw boaters and i wondered well, what the hell happened to that yeah. and i kind of did my my first initial you know journalist licking a thing kind of and and oh kennedy killed hats by not wearing one at his inauguration in 1961 which sounded interesting if true and but you know you don't have to guess about the past you can actually go look so yeah. I pulled the microphone from the Sun-Times from January 21st, 1961, and there on page, day after the inauguration, for those new to the game, and, and, uh, and there on page three is the headline, Hatless Kennedy Reviews Parade in Bitter Cold with a big picture of him wearing a top hat. Uh-oh. Now, this is strange for two reasons. <laughs> because a, it doesn't match. <laughs> it doesn't match, right? He's wearing a top hat and it says hatless, and B, what goes in the headline? the most important part so why was hatless important why was it in the headline and i became enamored with this and i just i i went you know went to the library of congress in washington and this was just it's like 2002 just before the internet and it was i was fascinated by this story and i i used like an old pr trick to tell it because what do you do when you've got a dull story like the death of the men's hat industry well, you marry it to something interesting like John F. Kennedy. Right. So I use his inauguration day as the narrative arc to tell my story. And what I didn't realize is people were going to, you know, there was a review in the Boston Globe. It's like, and now comes the most obscure Kennedy book of all time. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 it's a book about hats. <laughs> and I was so, it's, again, and that's, that's, what, that's the price you pay for being a writer. I mean, you know, what you said is true. I'm on my ninth book. Yeah. I've been, you know, uh, Rolling Stone and Esquire and all these places, but it feels like failure. Okay, it feels like it didn't work. It's not working, you know. And I think that's a good feeling. I think it keeps you from being a hack. You know, every every writer that I knew that like became really successful 
was sort of destroyed by it, where it's like, my God, I was on the cover of Parade magazine. I was on the bestseller. And now I have to do that again. Yeah, right. right. Okay? That's and true. you can't do that again. It's a regression to the mean. And, and so to me, I just want another book out. People won't even publish my books. Um, you know, it's, it's ironic, the, you know, my past the new book is University of Chicago Press. They didn't want the book that I had done and wanted them to print. They wanted something different. But the, the last two books I did for them were both in the New York Times, uh, uh, Sunday Magazine, Sunday Book Review. One of them on the cover, I'll never forget, my, my agent calls me. She says, I've got good news and bad news. <laughs> and, and, and I said, well, tell me the good news. She goes, well, the good news is your book is reviewed on the front page of the Sunday New York Times Book Review. Okay, well, that's good news. That's pretty good news. I said, said, what could the bad news possibly be? (laughs) What's the downside of that? (laughs) And the downside was she hated it. She hated every syllable of it. It was a complete fan. And remember that poor Chicago? They they found two or three books about Chicago, and the premise of the thing was Chicago sucks, and any book that suggests it doesn't suck also sucks. So what I'm trying to say is is that – so I wanted to shake the image of Chicago press and say, look – you know, you're publishing books on cuneiform, right? <laughs> I'm here. I'm getting you in the New York Times. I'm getting you NPR. My last book went to number 36 nationwide on Amazon, like for a minute. But still, it, it wasn't the standard, you know, book about the Renaissance popes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're like, well, yeah, no. It, 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 it's like it's like one of those nightmares where you're grabbing people. You're like, well, here, you know. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting stuff far afield. Uh, <laughs> well, what would you like to know? Well, well, I, well, we'll publish anything you want. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, we're at Kurt's you know, It's, it's yeah, so but... funny, Rick. I, I, I went and looked at your catalog. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give him this book to publish. Yeah. Um, and we'll, I don't want to. It's your, it's your, we have a different aesthetic. Okay. You, know, you, get, you, get, you get a book in your hand and you want it to look a certain way. And 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 that you know the, I'm at a point now. That's all I really want. I, they're not going to sell. I just want the cover to be nice, and I want the the type to be in a certain way, and I want you know, and and that's hard to do. I mean, with the University of Chicago Press, we, we had fought like pigs over the over the uh, the cover. Um, my co-author was going to take her name off the book. <laughs> wow. So that's so, I mean, that's you know, that's the reality with publishing. Okay. Yeah. I, I just sent someone drunkard, which is my recovery memoir, and I remember laying face down on on the bed like a twelve-year-old girl crying. Okay, because of how this book was being edited and how and the fight I was having. You know, they didn't want other people in it. Okay, they said, you know, you've got all these other AA people, and there are all these different characters, and 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 we should get rid of them and focus on you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Other people is the essence of recovery. You know, if if you get rid of them, I'm just sitting in a room by myself having epiphanies vis-a-vis nothing. (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) And so it's it's a very – I mean, I'm proud of my books. Um, I, I, I just, I wish they had done better. I was on Oprah. I was on the cover of Rolling Stone. I mean, it's not that they didn't do well. It's just they didn't do well enough that I could actually, like, I, I wrote a book 12 years ago, 11 years ago, they were shutting down the paper. And they were trying to sell us, and they forced us to take time off. And my boys were like 12 and 13. They wouldn't go to camp. They refused. And so I said, well, you're not, you're not just going to sit and veg in front of the TV. I am taking you to the ocean. And we were going to drive to the Pacific. So we took this enormous vacation from Chicago to the Redwood Forest down to L.A. and back. Five weeks, 7,000 miles, nine national parks. And everyone's like, you've got to write a book about this. And I said, no, no. You know, writing book. I just written Drunkard. I said, writing books is hard. They don't fall out your ass. I'm not going to, you know, if I'm writing a book, I'm not going to, I won't be with the boys. So we had this whole experience. And I get back and I'm thinking, you know, 
they're always going to remember this. And then I thought, well, no, actually they won't because everyone forgets everything. And I thought, but I was there and I took notes because I did do a couple columns a week from the road to, to, to you know, to keep my interest. And uh, so I wrote this book as a gift for them. And I called it so the quest for pie because one of them was, you know, and so to me, it's this warm, wonderful, touching thing that I've designed to give them after I'm dead. But then the, the last book took five years and I got done with it and I thought, you know, I've got, I, I don't want to do any books. So I don't have to. It's not a rule. And and then I thought, well, I've got this one. So I gave it to my agent. She farmed it around. And to me, what my gut is, I'm no longer, you know, nobody cares what a 59-year-old white Jewish guy has to say. It's <laughs> I not do. It's a bad, well, I'm just, I'm just saying. Because he's it's, a 57-year-old Jewish guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to blame the Zeitgeist. But as you know, then, Rick, the Zeitgeist is shifted away from us. And we're not, you know, maybe in the 60s, you know, when, uh, in, you know, Portnoy's complaint and Philip Roth and everything, there was edgy in this. And we're not even a minority anymore, right? They, yeah. they revoked the minority card, but forgot to stop hating us. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not complaining. I get that. I understand. That's what a writer is supposed to do. You're supposed to understand. Um, so I set this book aside. And, and, you know, it's funny. I was meeting with the University Federal Press, and I thought they were asking, they, they were suddenly have an interest and they had no they had something else they wanted me actually it's they're calling the book every goddamn day which i really like and it's a it's a day-by-day uh uh, riff on chicago history which i'm having i'm having a blast doing it i'm not complaining yeah no that sounds like happy to work that sounds like a good good book actually yeah Uh, no it's it's like a haiku because it forces you into you know you have to use these dates and so you have to arrange them and they should you know you want something you can't give it a structure in the sense but they people are going to read it one after another so you have to think about that flow and you also have to fill every single date and you have to decide what's important um so you have these choices it's like gee should i have uh well, i don't know o'hare airport putting in the first metal detector in 1973 or should i have like some other thing that's happening on that same date you know august 15th is is both the dedication of the uh the Picasso statue in 1967 and the Fort Dearborn massacre. And so I'm cheating is what I'm doing. I, I, I dial the Fort Dearborn story back to the day before when some Indian comes and warns them that they're all going to be killed or something. Because it's, it's actually, that's why, you know, it's funny, we talk about the massacre, but the, 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 the people from the fort had cheated the Indians out of what they promised to leave behind. They, they yeah, there's always, that, the white guys yeah. are never the good guys in these stories. <laughs> I hate to say that, that's actually true. Yeah. You know, so I used to be very patriotic, and, 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 and especially with the Trump era. It's like, you want to go, oh my God, this is like the worst thing ever. And then you go, well, no, it's kind of hard <laughs> yeah. for the course. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> very consistent. Right. It's Tuesday for us white guys, basically. <laughs> right. And I'm not a self. I, I love, you know, I hate, you know, every, every time someone's killed and it's like, oh, white people are like this. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I, mean, I don't want to. I know that there's white privilege and all that. And if I was a nuclear physicist, you, know, you have to be who you are. But a lot of times, uh, I mean, everyone, hatred's like a drug, okay? And everyone wants to take a hit. And to me, if you're slagging somebody for, uh, you know, coming over on the Mayflower while you're boosting yourself up for fording the Rio Grande, I mean, it's just another way to run down people you don't know. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a whole, that's, we, we're shifting away from writing. What else, what else? Can is, I, is, I there anything talk that, a lot. is there anything that you've written that you regret now in retrospect, you know, that, yeah, I mean, there's probably something. <laughs> there's gotta be, there's gotta be something. 
I mean, I've written stuff where the, the people then go kill themselves, mm, you know, and that wow. kind of thing. And it is a daily writer. It, it, I didn't mean to, and I don't know they're connected to their problems. Um, nothing that leaps to mind. I mean, look, I, I Friday's a perfect example. Uh, Wednesday, my boss sends me an email. Look, this couple says they're living at O'Hare. You want to check it out. I'm like the king of the lost toys, right? There's something strange. So I go there. My concern is, are they really living at O'Hare? Yes. People there, they've raised money to have them school motels. I sit there with an hour, two hours with them. They seem to be who they say they are. And so I write a piece and they put it on the front friggin' page, right? My whole Friday is ruined by hundreds of emails from people wanting to help. Uh, the GoFundMe page that someone set up seems to be a fraud, oh. so we can't recommend them. What do we do about the fraud and GoFundMe page? And then I hear from people who are like, guess what? These people are not apparently nice people. And, you know, it's like it's this whole – so I, I don't regret doing it. I was I don't run the place. I just work there. So mm -hmm. I was asked to do it, and I did it the best of my ability, but I, I really wish I could have skipped that. It was just mm -hmm. like this unpleasant stare into the cesspool of humanity where everyone's lying and everyone's a fraud. and every, it, was just, it was like – it's so as far as mistakes I've made, I should be able to reel these off, shouldn't I? And look, I, I wrote a book about my dad didn't talk to me for six months. Wow. And I, I, I begged him, I said, Dad, don't be too dumb to be proud. Can't, can't you say my son wrote a book about me? He took me to Venice, he put me up in the Greedy Palace. You know, you have to say, I, I call you a prick on page 197. <laughs> and yes, so I, I don't regret the book, I, I guess. I mean, there's a price to pay when you're a writer. You know, you got to pay the price. Yeah, and yeah. most people can't be writers, not because they can't put words together, although that's a problem, but you know, they, they don't say the stark things that uh, that people that make for interesting writing. Yeah. Right? And and so to me, uh, I mean, the blog. I, I, did, I did regret something. Uh, four years ago, during the election, uh, a neighbor put up a Trump sign. And someone took it down, so he put one up like with six by six. It's like this billboard, something to concrete with spotlights on it. Yeah, like and there, happen <laughs> there happened to be a, a Hispanic family across the street. And so to me, it was like this big, fuck you. I, don't know, yeah. I guess on the podcast, I can say to his neighbors and without knocking, without talking to him, without ever. And I, so I wrote this piece and then like, you know, third party showed it to him and he was like on my doorstep. Oh, and we, wow. had, we had exchanged of words, and I ended up was the only piece of my blog in seven years that I took down, and I sent him a big gift basket of beer and, and Blackhawks and memorabilia and stuff because I felt – I apologized. I, I, I made these assumptions that I was wrong about him. He's a Trump supporter and likes Trump, but it wasn't – like he had a good relationship with a Hispanic guy, apparently. Yeah. You know? And so, again, it was like you don't want to – so I do regret that. I did. I, did, I was sorry I wrote that, and I'm, I'm – I'm sure if I thought about it a bit more, and, and, and given my my brave words earlier about being wrong, I should come up with more examples of things <laughs> I shouldn't have done. Well, I mean, uh, those are I, those are good ones. Those are good ones. Okay, good, good, good. Because <laughs> I mean, otherwise, I, you know, you, you, I try to think of consequences. I try. You know, I, I miss this. You know, I, I write about my family and things. I remember my wife calling me and she was crying so hard I thought someone had died. And you know, you're the kind of that, <laughs> you're that sucking air crying women do. And, and, and I finally said, honey, honey, what's wrong? And she goes, you know that principal you called an idiot the paper today? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what about that? She goes, don't you realize Ross has to go to school there in two years? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, it never, it never crosses. That's the thing. Usually it never crosses my mind. Um, 
I oh. get a comment about calling in sick. Oh, you're that Steinberg go. kid. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, huh. yeah. Well, thank God they fired her because of the <laughs> <laughs> Well, you were playing the long game. Good job. Well, they, you know, again, it's like it's, it's sometimes people accuse me of courage, and it's just stupid. I, I, I didn't think of that. You know, I didn't think of I, I wrote a comment about calling in sick where it was like the italics or the, the opening line was Neil Snapper won't have a column today because he has the flu and then the next line was world series tickets and what was <laughs> happening was is i was flying to cleveland where i grew up to go to the 97 world series and i was leaving a column behind pretending i was sick and my boss calls me and she goes what is this and, and i said well i'm calling in sick tomorrow i'm going to the world flying to cleveland to go to the world series and she was like we could fire you for this and i remember looking at her joyce winicky she became a big deal in the tribune and thinking you're insane. Yeah. All that matters is the good column. I'm you. You're, you're, you're worried about like the the, the fake time. Do it's not fake. It's in the paper. That's the thing. I mean, as, you know, as a writer, it has to be your like your prime mover. It's what it's who I am. You know, if I was if I want, I'm going downtown tomorrow for the reopening of the city and try to report a story. And if, if someone pulls me down and beats me. I'm gonna like okay. I should like note this or for the being beaten by a pipe column, you know. Um, Always looking for material. I, yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's it's. I understand. You know, it's. I, I mean, I had spine surgery uh, in uh, last July, and I, I didn't. I didn't go. Oh, great! Now this will be interesting. But I thought, you know, I I, I never got into Northwestern Hospital to do stories. They're not that responsive as PR, and here I am, you know, having this really complicated, interesting three part series on it. <laughs> well. You know, and it was funny. I think and people liked it. And in fact, I had my boss. It, like, it got picked up by Apple News. And so oh. he was like, you know, more, more surgery. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> Take more for the team. Pal. How's your prostate? You <laughs> should really get that checked out. You know, oh, they say that writers are, are the best readers or that you can't be a writer if you're also not a reader. And if that's true, and I don't tell me if you think that is true, who do you read and, and who are some of the uh, authors or columnists that you kind of put up on a pedestal that that. Um, I mean, I read a lot. Uh, I, I, I love the classics. I love Seneca. Mm. I love Juvenal. Um, I'm a big Dante fan. I read him continually books about Dante because I find it, it's, it, I find it funny in some ways. Uh, for columnists, uh, Gene Weingarten at the Washington Post is, is a master. Mm, yeah. He has a book called, if you're familiar with him. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Fiddler in the Subway. And, uh, and and so that, you know, that kind of story where you put Joshua Bell in the Washington Metro with a, his case, you know, with his styrofoam cup and then do this. It, it wasn't just a stunt. It was then a, a column about how we spend our time and what we think beauty is beautiful and important. And I mean, that's something I try to do. I try to like have a column be about several things. Um, I love John McPhee, uh, who's a New Yorker writer who's always in some like birch bark canoe I interviewed uh, Jimmy Carter once, and, and it was not going well. He was kind of a sour little stick of a man. And uh, I was desperately trying to think of something to say, and I, I suddenly I said, you canoed with John McPhee, because he did some story about the Georgia River when he was governor. And he's, he's, his face brightened. He goes, yes, that's right. How would you know that? You know, um, so other writers, uh, I love James Thurber. And they love mm-hmm. humorous, like the old. And I, when I was growing up, I was going to be Robert Benchley. I was going to wear a fez and drink martinis and like be <laughs> some humorist, you know, standing up at the bar. And uh, I, I, I admire who else? Uh, Dan Savage is wonderful. Mm-hmm. The sex columnist, not, yeah. not the sex columns, uh, but the, his his memoirs, the kid and the commitment. 
Um, I, I, I just thought they were so fun. You know who's a good writer is Howard Stern. Yeah. I was doing a story on Snapple. Esquire commissioned me to do something on Snapple, and he was a big early proponent of Snapple. And his, I've, I've never, I've literally never listened to his radio show, but the books were really good. So wow. I read all sorts of, I, I read very widely. Um, I'm reading A History of America and 100 Maps, uh, just because it was a, a beautiful book and it was interesting. So I, I will read, you know, things come in the paper, books that I know I'm never going to see. So it'll be a history of snow or <laughs> handwriting or something. And, and I, I like that kind of obscure, you know, bear attacks, their causes and avoidance kind of book. Um, right now, I mean, yeah, the problem is I ordered a the new Dante book from the Princeton University Press, and it's just crap. It's this <laughs> academic, you know, it goes on forever. And, and um, you know, I paid 35 bucks for it, so I feel like I should at least try it. And I am learning a little bit, but it's like, it's like, really? You did this to people? You know, you want to grab the guy and shake him. I don't understand. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, this is a gorgeous book. I would get Princeton Universe Press would return my call. And look at this. You know, this is shameful to me when, you read, when someone has a sub, you know, I, you know I, I hope you do a Dante book someday called Dante is My Wingman. <laughs> and I've, I've done some research on it because, you know, the, the key to me for him is that, you know, he's 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 exiled from from Florence and, and you know, he's like the first rap star. Okay, Shakespeare never shows up in his plays and goes, hi, I'm William Shakespeare. I'm a genius. But Dante does. He shows up in the book. You know, and it's it's about him. It's a, to me, it's like a first modern book. I, I return to it a lot, uh, a lot because I find it very useful. Um, in the column, like I like to, I like to inform things. You know, like with Trump, I did a whole thing about. Uh, I did Trader Week on the blog, where I started with uh, Catiline, who's had a had a conspiracy against the Roman government, kind of like Trump's, and I end with Trump. But I, I like to sort of bring things back because it's a it's a good frame to for us to understand what's going on now. When the Supreme Court was debating uh, uh, gay marriage, yeah, you can talk about humanity, or you can take juvenile second satire, which is all about gay marriage, which is where there are two people in Rome going off to a gay wedding, you know? And so here the, the, the justices of the Supreme Court are kind of pulling their chins going, gosh, nobody's ever sanctioned this, and this is something new under the sun. No, you know? It, it, it's uh, You know what uh, nobody think, has ever written about, uh, Dante, is uh, a book about his hats. <laughs> that's well, a free one that's a free one I, I, I thought of actually doing one about his face because I have lots of busts and pictures and things and I, I do think there is something about his his image because we, we know what he looks like yeah. um, but I, you know look for the hat book you think it's fine <laughs> but, but that hat book you know it's it, to me it, people wore hats because they had to people would spit on you if you didn't wear a hat and you know the, the death of a salesman you get a couple spots in your hat and you're finished and it has to all do with like the rise of your know, credit card culture. You know, you needed a nice hat because you had to look good because someone had to give you a room for the night and they had to trust you in some way. And and I don't know. I I, I thought I loved writing it. I got to interview John Glenn, which was exciting. Mm-hmm. I got to interview Ted Kennedy. Um, you know, so it, it's again. I just I I I kept trying. The reason my my last book was sort of because of it. I had interviewed a writer from Princeton Architectural Press. And I was trying to get them to publish an illustrated version of it because there's no pictures. And there's all these really creepy images and things having to do with hats. Um, but I couldn't get her interested in it. So maybe if you want to do an illustrated, nah, it's just, it's, it's, it would be beyond your, hey, say, beyond your scope. It's just, it would be hard to do. Um, 
And I mean, it's an insult. You know, it's just, it's, 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 you're not going to do a big, glossy, illustrated, hardback book about hats, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I, I wanted to get you on because I, I'm such a big fan of your writing. And I, I figured read, somebody that writes the way you do has to be a really interesting person. And boy, have oh my you God, proven you're fantastic. that. Oh, yeah. I haven't have, have read that. it, have I? Because I worry about it. People meet me, it's like, it's over, you know? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, in fact, um, can you do every Thursday for yeah, the next exactly. year? Exactly. Put it on your calendar. You know, I... Put it on your calendar. They wouldn't let me do a podcast the paper. You know, we tried several podcasts. And this is, see, this is my life in a nutshell. Okay, they're doing... This is when podcasts were hot. Let's say three, four years ago, whatever. And they called me and, Neil, what kind of podcast would you do? And I said, well, I own the domain name when I, I bought two I bought everygoddamngay.com and I bought know your infrastructure because oh. I love stories about fire hydrants and, and lamps and things like that and uh, and so every week I'll go and I'll do the best 10 minutes on pipes and on uh, <laughs> electrical boxes and on all this cool stuff that's under the street manhole covers like Kenosha yeah. we'll go to Kenosha we'll see them being forged there's all these details about them and the woman looked at me and she said, I thought you'd do like a political thing where you'd interview somebody. <laughs> and I, like, every, like every other person in the world was doing, right? And then I, I said, well, gosh, you know, David Axelrod, he kind of does, he has Obama on his. Yeah, yeah. Probably, he's pretty you know, good at that, yeah. And then they just let it, and then I gave them the book I told you about, uh, uh, Quest for Pie. I said, look, it's a summary book. We can run it and I'll read it, you know, and we'll do it audio book. And the great thing with audio books is they'll give you like four dollars out of every 10. So we'll have the, the audio, the, the, the podcast will drive people to the audio book. We'll make four dollars every time they buy it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they never even responded. Yeah. So, again, it's like the nightmare where you've got something you think is a good thing, but you've got to get someone else to, 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 to let you do it. And when you do it yourself, my blog, it gets 2,000 hits a day, big whoop. You know, it's not going anywhere. It's not, you know, it's it. But and, yeah, I would and, think, and I you know, I think the problem is that you're having agents pitch this because you have the natural enthusiasm. I mean, nah, you, you believe it. You have, you have that, uh, you're making me want to buy it. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, is, this, this is the line. I, you know, every year I, I, I do a summary of the blog and how it's doing. And I was, I was talking about how really small ball every goddamn day is. And then, and then I had a line, which I'm very proud of. I said, of course, my vegetable garden isn't Conagra either, but I plant tomatoes every spring. <laughs> and that's, to me, the key to being a happy, good writer is you enjoy the writing you're doing. You do your best. You know, there's, there's a line. I, getting back to people, I love T.S. Eliot. Mm -hmm. T.S. Eliot, I, I recommend him to you. He is the comfort of age. And, and uh, he says, for us, there is only the trying. The rest is not our business. Oh. And that, that, that's where I'm at right now. Um, in fact, I'm doing it. You know, I, I, did, I did a book called, and this is here, give you an example. I can't sell things because I did a book called uh, You Were Never in Chicago, right? Eight printings. It's still in bookstores. You go to the Art Institute, it's still there, like, you know, on display with their lion bookends and things. And so I thought, okay, obviously my career is over. I should do something that I just care about, just write something that reflects how, where I am now. And so I'm doing a companion book to You're, always, You're Never in Chicago called You're Always in Cleveland. Because I grew up in Cleveland. Yeah, right. And, you know, it's a certain, like, baked-in mediocrity that you can't get rid of. <laughs> and, you know, you could be the king of Cleveland. What does it matter? You're in Cleveland. And so it's sort of half. It's like the same way the 
you know, never in Chicago was, you know, about my arrival in Chicago. And so it's part memoir, part history of the city. And you'll know, kind of like like weird history where they're, they're digging the foundation for the first national bank and they find mammoth bones and that kind of thing. And, and, and if I'm enjoying it, I'm liking it. Nobody's going to publish it, you know, maybe eventually, but uh, it's, it can't, it, it's just something that I feel, you know, I happen to like writing. That's where I'm blessed. A lot of writers, they're rolling on the floor. They can't do it. They can't, they can't they're not inspired. They're not whatever. And to me, it, it really is my drug and my distraction. And it gets me out of like the, the queasy discomfort of being myself. Well, please don't stop doing it because yeah. uh, we're fans. You know, people want oh, so nice. want to find Neil Steinberg. You can find him in the Chicago Sun Times. Um, as as he mentioned, he has several books out. Is there uh, just uh, go to Amazon? Is that the best place? Amazon, you... they're all on sale. Uh, the, the ones that I recommend is uh, "You Were Never in Chicago." Is uh, is sort of my my career in the in the at the paper. Um, the Hatless Jack is like a dollar. You know, it was free shipping. It's the book about Kennedy, which I really hope I have. Excuse me, now I've done it. Um, I have a book on failure called Complete and Utter Failure. I was on Oprah for that, but it didn't help the sales. Oh, um, isn't that amazing? So are, <laughs> You're on Oprah, the, the and it doesn't about, help the sales. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one about my dad is called Don't Give Up the Ship. And I, some people really do love that. It's and a, what page a, do you call him a yeah, prick? Yeah, what's the, what's the prick yeah, page? 197. Yeah, and again, when, when I was suffering, I thought, you know, I was, I was complaining about it. And I thought, you know, Neil, stop. How bad an experience, I mean, where someone pays you $50,000 and you end up in Venice, how bad of an experience yeah, really right. is that? <laughs> right, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Stop so, bitching. So, you know, yeah, so the books are out there. You know, Please read the Sun-Times. I, we're becoming like the strong, dynamic paper in town. The Tribune's about to be ripped apart. Yep. And I, I take no satisfaction in that. It's terrible. Yeah. But we need a newspaper, and if we're going to be it, uh, you know, I'm – I'm, I'm lashed to the deck, ready to go down with it. So I, I've been there for 34 years, and I'm very proud of it. Well, we're, um, we're, we're, we proud to have, we're proud to have had you on our show. And, and please sure, come back you if you ever, uh, yeah. you know, if you have 10 minutes on a manhole cover, give us, <laughs> give us a call. We'll give you 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, well when your book comes out, when, when it goes up. When your book comes out, seriously, we'll have you back on again, I'll, okay? I'll absolutely come back. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for... for not jumping on Eckhart's press. That's oh, it's bad. okay. Just, it's know. okay. That's, Obama didn't either. We yeah. pitched Obama. It's a, he it's didn't do it. It's a different aesthetic. We, we, know, we I, can't I get have... a, we can't get a Steinberg. We can't get an Obama. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah, we got everybody else. We got right, everybody exactly. else. Thanks. No, no, no they, they, they look, they look interesting. I get, I get tons of books that come in and I'm very, I, I suggested once to writing a review called judging a book by its cover, <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> everybody does. Books. Sadly true. Yeah, it, it covers your key. Yep. That's really all at this stage of my career. That's what I care about. <laughs> like I wanted to have a nice cover. Um, and, and, well, but th- and thank you very much for being on the show, Neil. All right. You're and welcome, guys. We'll thank have you, you on again. Yeah. We'd love to have you. Yeah, and be I, safe, I, buddy. Take it easy. I'll, I'll, I'll social media it when it comes out. Thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. And if you enjoyed that interview, remember, check out the Celebrity Minutiaman interview every week. We have uh, celebrity interviews. We've got one coming up with uh, Doc Julin, mm-hmm. uh, the former guitarist actually current guitarist boy dog pondering boy dog pondering. chicago native <laughs> and every other chicago band and we've got some uh we got some hot ones in the hopper we do yes we uh, do we don't want to jinx them no no don't but, say it uh, but don't say don't. it uh so tell a friend to listen to us on spotify go to opishows.com wherever you find podcasts search for radio misfits special thanks to our executive producer tony lasana with opishows.com and by the way um 
Neil Steinberg kind of ripped us a couple times. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I know. The, yeah. um, there's a yeah. certain aesthetic. Yeah, the sensibilities are different. <laughs> right. uh, Opie is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows dot com. I, I can't believe he doesn't <laughs> want to be on the label with the balding handbook. Distributed yeah, you know. by Edsilla, the radio right. misfits. Great talk radio it's is me dead. sitting by a grave. It's, it's, it's really good. <laughs> It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Men. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, the Premier League is coming back and we've got all the latest news. Plus, we'll talk about the German Bundesliga and I give you some good German phrases that you can listen for when you're watching the games. All that on Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, which is an Opi show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Howard Sudbury, and I co-host the Back to You podcast with my longtime friend, Steve Basterville. Hey, it's Mark Vernon from the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Your Tuesdays just got better. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, with Mark Vernon and Lou Costable is on the move. New episodes of this great podcast will be released on Tuesdays. And our good friends Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville and their podcast, Back to You, will now be available on Thursdays. So check out Mark and Lou with the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, on Tuesdays. And back to you on Thursdays. Both are a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie Show Productions on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.